0: Give
1: Back to the Tom Dupree Show for an extended version of the Financial Hour. We've got one more segment to cover. Joining us, Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, our host Tom Dupree. And we are powered by Dupree Financial Group.
2: So, the '80s, the early '80s, produced sort of some different things. Music kind of turned over, and it was for the time. Some of it was considered a little weird and new age music all kind of came out of England. It was like a new group, bunch of groups that pretty much became from, came from England, but a lot of them sort of gravitated to LA and, uh, you know, it will not Madonna. She was very New York centric, but. Um, Some of these other groups, it was kind of the L.A. scene culminating with groups like Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Um, Now, this was for popular music. Country was kind of undergoing a thing of its own um, with uh, the movie... it called Urban, want, urban, urban Cowboy yeah. no yeah. Urban Cowboy and uh, but this is Boy George who's interesting in his own right I think I think Boy George kind of channeled Tiny Tim who uh, sang Tiptoe Through the Tulips and passed away while singing Tiptoe Through the Tulips and uh, Sort of this man that dressed like a girl. Now half the world does this sort of thing. But uh, at the time, it was uh, really cutting edge, if you will. And I kind of lived through it. I didn't listen to a lot of music at the time because I was focused on 10% bonds. <laughs> All right. And going to uh, confetti's on Tuesday yeah, nights, Yeah, going right? to confetti's and... I don't know. They played all kinds of music. It was just uh, everybody was drunk. Nobody remembers <laughs> anything. So.
3: Well, you have this uh, whole movement though. You, I mean, you had talk about a lot the British invasion drinking
2: during the week. Yeah, yeah. and and, and, and at I'm just gonna time, tell yeah. you, the guys <laughs> that I went out that were on the trading desk, they'd go out one day a week and have a few drinks at at lunch. Come back. Not a lot of work got done. I mean, it was an interesting environment. Fun people, very productive, enjoyed my time there.
3: Would have never lasted more than four and a half years. <laughs> it was time. Had to get out of it. Yeah. So, well, on that, the, 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 reggae and sky influence though that they brought yeah, with them that was a big so. thing that was uh, i mean it was a unique style of music but then they you know they had synthesizer pop i mean they incorporated a lot of different sounds that uh, that made Sense it unlike pop. what we heard uh from the you know we were in the well, arena all that music electronic music i mean
2: yeah. you're not see, seeing a guy standing up there with a guitar it's being played by some kind of electronic keyboard
4: but really it, it kind of a throwback to the cars really just with synthesizers yeah. more yeah. synthesizers in it and they're just kind of So the
2: cars were their, sort of the first right. US new wave yeah kind of band and um and then you had uh, the Newman. talking heads Gary Newman
3: now that's he was more of a one hit
5: one.
2: Yeah and and uh, who's the other guy uh, Gary Wright um he was the dream weaver And then in a sense Well, I was going to say Warren Zevon, but he's kind of a different thing altogether. But it was, uh, and then you had the police who were—they were were punk more, but they took took it uh, to—they started punking, yeah, and and they kind of took it to almost a calypso sounding. uh, You know, everybody says the police is sting. It's. the drummer.
0: Mm hmm.
2: Stuart Copeland. It's the drummer. Yeah. To me, you take that guy away and they don't have that same sound. Yeah.
3: It was a three piece, too, and they didn't have a lot of three pieces at that time. Yeah.
2: They were, they were a very, they, they, I would call their songs very catchy. And you always remember a song by the police. Mm hmm. You could have plugged in any other vocalist. Yep. Didn't have to just be Sting. Sting would tell you it had to be him. <laughs> but uh now the bass playing that uh, was very distinctive and he was a very very percussionistic bass player if you will. The guitar player was too. Yeah, Andy Summers.
4: Yeah. Yep. That's the neat thing about three-piece bands. I love three-piece bands, just in yeah. general. That's kind of what this is right here. That's right.
2: Three-piece band. She's hey, just, hey, hey. She's running the board. <laughs> oh,
4: really? man.
2: Tom? She to she's running the board. Tom's not going to have a good weekend.
1: No, I love running the board.
2: <laughs> yeah.
4: All right, so what All do we right. got? we got another few minutes. So just want to talk about retirement, uh, just in general, the – Reti- bah humbug! Bah humbug! I know. Well, I'm going to throw this stat out there. Um, did you know, you know? So, Harvard School of Public Health they did a study that people are 40 percent more likely to have a stroke or heart attack in the first year of retirement. So, what that tells, that tells me is it is
2: surprised me one bit.
4: So, what that tells me is you shouldn't retire. Yeah. Avoid that scenario. Good idea. Yeah. No, it, it it is a stressful event. Uh, because you've had you you spent your life building a career in something and an uh, identity and an identity in that something, um, and you're stepping away from that, uh, and that's why we advocate on the show to our clients, um, don't totally remove yourself from productive and uh, uh, even lucrative uh, work in retirement. Retirement is flexibility. Um, so that might be if you've been in a, a managerial role, it might be uh, more of a consultant uh, or s- something because you, you have the experience um, and Knowledge and wisdom of that particular area that is valuable to companies right now, um, and it's it, the the workplace, the job market is still incredibly friendly, uh, and you can find something out there that you will get paid to do. Yeah. and so so the re- retirement in and of itself it it's a stressful time uh, because. Even if you're taking a reduced role, you might have reduced income, and so then you're looking at taking distributions from something that you've been only putting into for decades, uh, and so that's a change. Uh, so it, it's a it is a new lifestyle that you're entering in, and that it, it it like any kind of lifestyle change. You know, when you get married, when you have kids, it's kind of a shock to the system, uh, and this is no different. Um, but you, you have, if you want to say your support group or your, your experts in the area that you're working with, that's why you develop, a, why and how you develop a plan to go through the years. Yeah.
3: Well, and the other part you're, you're,
4: uh,
3: it's included in there the the a significant cause or, or the, the a significant factor is the loneliness you get. Because yeah. when you're at work, you've got a, a, a group of people that you're socializing with, even if it's uh, professionally. I mean, you're around other people and, and uh, people really benefit from that. And, and when they give it all up, I mean, that's the other thing is, if you just quit cold turkey, you go from one day, you're going into the office or to the store or wherever you are, and then you just stop. And that's just too sudden. You need to try to, if you are going to, to change your focus and do something that's maybe go from being a managerial person to a consultant, you do want to try to ease into that. You don't want to make yeah. it just a, a one, one time uh, sudden event. That, that's a factor for your health.
1: So that may apply to nowadays. What's it going to be like when all these home workers, these work from home scenarios, they don't have that socialization no. ongoing. But it's also an opportunity for the retirees if they can jump into that lane sure. to have an interaction of some kind. Yeah, but not the constraints of a job.
4: That's right. Well, it, you know, it's interesting on the work from home side because uh, you think of you know kids kids these days. Uh but you know the way they interact um you know socially a lot of them now is through video games. Um and you know it, it's not talking on the phone anymore, it's through video games but they're talking They've been doing that for years. Yeah Text and, and so yeah, yeah exactly. Now just talking to
2: each other on their headphones. Yeah. that cuz the game can be played among people. Exactly. You know, what somebody told me today that NVIDIA, one of the things that they have is you can say to it, I want this kind of uh, game, and it creates it for you through AI. Hmm. You know, in other words, you I want a game uh, like the Old West, and I want it to be this and that, and it takes all that stuff in that you're telling it and customizes a game for you. Oh, wow.
3: Well, that-
4: that- I, I didn't know that, but that I've, I've not seen that, but I I believe it. I believe there I were, you you're are a real gamer, aren't you, Mike? <laughs> yeah. yeah big, what's that? I
3: said,
1: Mike is a real gamer. Yeah, I'm I a gamer. You. Guitar yeah. hero. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah. <laughs> oh, I hate that. thing. I tried to do it and it's just horrible. But on the, the work from home, you are talking about, uh, socializing, um, the, the social, socializing is different is, is some people are very comfortable having zoom meetings and that's how they socialize now. Um, and so I I don't know, It, it, it will be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, but what it's done for retirees though, it's given a, it's opened a whole new world of opportunity for you to still be engaged in business, but you have more flexibility. Well I mean
3: the hybrid uh, work week is what I think you you're seeing kind of be the yeah where we're we're headed or where we are with it where you it depends on the company but you might be in the office 3 days a week and then you have the flexibility to do the work from home or still come into the office those other days you just have more flexibility and that's the big appeal to employees is the fact that they can maybe work a little later, but they can carve an hour out to go see the doctor or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but they don't have to worry about that two hour commute uh, to the office and back. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that's
2: one of the big things, but I'll tell you,
3: there is a thing we could never
2: do what we do remote. It just wouldn't work right. Although there are a lot of big companies out there that a bunch of their people are remote and I don't know how they maintain the same critical mass because it doesn't work. I've not seen it work. We, we actually made a decision with our company that once the COVID got into, you know, it really kicked in in April of 20, by May, we all came back in the office. Mm-hmm. And some people, May the following year, Weren't back in the office yet. Some, some government still ed- aren't back in the office. S- some government agencies have never gone back. Yeah, and a lot of law firms. Now I just don't get it because I think a company, the identity of a company, the DNA of a company, is its is its its esprit de corps. It's the people that work there and they know each other and they spend time together, and I don't think i would want to work anything remote i i I wouldn't work i would just work with myself i'd chop wood or something (laughs) you know or 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 have a garden i i don't want to be hooking up with on zoom that's not going to work for me yeah
4: Uh, but it it, it's it's but it it's does an for avenue something. that some people, um, they, they do really well. And if you're looking to take a step back or something uh, less demanding, um, that, that might be an opportunity. Um, now, I do think uh, you look at people getting into the workforce and they start out as a, as a remote worker, and that's kind of what they will always be. You know, we'll we'll see, but I, I, you know, your uh, how do you you do your your progress party for somebody like that? Yeah, that's the thing. Haven't
2: been around.
4: You meet at a restaurant. The (laughs) corporate culture's not going to be in steel. It has to be a Zoom uh, thing. And your career path is likely not as great. They have done studies on this that people that are in person because of interaction, because we're we're people because of that interaction that you have, you know, better, uh, career, uh, prospects long-term than working remote, but it's give and take like with anything, uh, you work remote and it might gives you more flexibility to do other things. So all I'm, sh- all I'm telling you is that there are opportunities out there for you that there's so many opportunities that you can create, you know, flexibility for yourself, something that suits what you're, if you're looking for in-person, you know, camaraderie kind of thing, absolutely go for it. If you're looking for something more remote because you like to travel and you're looking to take a step back and you could do that while you're traveling or, or, you know, what camping, whatever, there's opportunities for you out yeah, there absolutely. and, and just stay engaged, use the knowledge that you've built over the decades Stay engaged. Be productive because that's useful for the companies. That's useful for new people coming in. And you might as well get paid for it while you're doing it. Be the ball.
1: Well, and nowadays, <laughs> the people, employees or employers are needing employees yeah. more than ever. Yeah. The workforce, it, for some reason, which I can't figure out, maybe you all can enlighten why the workforce is so depleted. That's That is just the strangest thing.
2: Well... You where do look the at People a, go. Yeah. Look at a company like the one we mentioned a minute ago, Costco. You think you're going to do that remote? Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh-uh. That's not going to happen. There's a lot of good companies out there. Uh, many of the ones that I really appreciate Amazon, an Amazon warehouse. And I can see they might have people taking orders. They could be anywhere. But uh, the warehouse, you got to be there at the warehouse. And that's yeah. where the stuff gets distributed. Um, on the other hand, if you call, uh, some of these banks got a credit card through a bank, you're probably getting somebody at their house Yeah, because they don't have to come in to a call center anymore.
4: Well, even learning, uh, you know, new technology, you know, AI interfacing, uh, because with that's going to replace a lot of in-person, more labor-intensive kinds of things, you learn how to interface. I was talking with someone that's a programmer that's teaching, essentially teaching AI how to program um, and to make it more efficient. Um, And so things, and this is just the nature, you know, technology, technological advances, companies get more efficient. And so learning new tasks or learning new uh, skills, uh, it's how to uh, talk to AI and have it spit out what you're wanting it to. You know, that's that's a growing field right there.
2: That's probably not going to work for me.
4: <laughs>
3: AI or? <laughs> no, The be, being naturally curious, I think you ought to treat uh, learning as something you want to do every day. You'd like to try to learn something new every day. And I think that helps keep you young. It helps keep your mind sharp. And uh, that's the, you've got to have that mentality, I think, in order to succeed
4: in the environment that Mike is describing here. I agree. But regardless of how you do it, everybody's retirement is different. uh, How they approach it, how they tackle it. Uh, But there are certain things that are common uh, which is the need for income. Uh, so it's what we do, you're, we're analyzing income sources, you know, everything from what's your pension, your social security, what are other sources of income, what assets did you do you have? Do you have a 401k, pre-tax, you know, uh, Roth, after-tax, all these different things? That's, and then from that, how do we generate the income that you're needing. Uh, is that a reasonable expectation? Uh, the income that you're planning on taking what, you know, pros and cons you taking too much. Are you not taking enough? We've seen that. Um, so everybody's situation is different, but there are commonalities, uh, through everybody. Um, so if you're retiring, looking to retire, um, come talk with us. Uh, we can give you ideas. Um, and it's just, if nothing else, we're sitting here, we're, it's another set of eyes on what your, what your plan is that you may or may not have right
3: now. And Mike, what I'm hearing you say is that it can be very overwhelming and, and, uh, scare people. And what we do is we try to break it down into, uh, pieces that you can understand how they all fit together and come up with an overall plan to take that anxiety away. There you go.
1: Okay, here we go again, you all. Here's boy George. (laughs) Uh, We are, at Dupree Financial Group, we are here to help you achieve the retirement you envision for yourself. We're here to guide you to and through retirement and help you make your money work for you. If you'd like to come see us, you can book an appointment directly on the homepage of our website at dupreefinancial.com. You can also give us a call. 859 233 400. This concludes the financial part of the hour, but we have Gary LeBlanc of Mercy Chefs that's going to be with us at the bottom of the hour. I guess it's the bottom going to the top. (laughs) Stay tuned for that interview. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more of the Tom Dupree show.
2: Hi, I'm Tom Dupree. You've heard me describe bonds as being timely investments lately. Recently, there have been numerous pieces of economic news which may be pointing to a recession. One of them is that credit card use among consumers has declined. Recessions almost always are accompanied by lower interest rates. Lower interest rates mean generally higher bond prices. At many times in the past, the best time to buy things have been when the outlook is unfavorable. For a no cost, no obligation examination of your retirement investment portfolio, call Dupree Financial Group at 859 233 0400. Also, be sure to listen to The Tom Dupree Show Saturday mornings at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at DupreeFinancial.com.
0: Thank you for supporting these shows, though, and please come back if you have to go. He was born in the summer of his 27th year Coming home to a place he'd never been before he yesterday behind him He might say he was born again He might say he found the key for every door When he first came to the mountain far away on the road hanging by a song. The string's already broken and he doesn't really care. He's keeps changing fast and it don't last for long. And the Colorado Rocky bam high Rocky Mountain high He climbed the feedback mountains He saw silver clouds Hello. below He saw everything as far as you can see
1: Welcome to the Tom Defree Show Joining us for this segment, we have Gary LeBlanc of Mercy Chefs on the phone and our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group.
2: So, we're listening to Gary's and my friend, the late Jim Selstrom, uh, and there's kind of a special thing about this song because... uh, jim's big influence in the music industry was john denver for whom he worked for years he was a younger guy and he helped john denver set up for concerts and showed or it was shown a lot of things about the guitar and, and jim was just a delightful guy and he passed away uh three or four weeks ago now of uh cancer but i wanted uh, gary who knew him really well gary leblanc the uh founder and uh, guy behind Mercy Chefs, uh, to talk some about uh, Jim at the outset of this segment. So, uh, Gary, thanks for coming on today, and uh, I know you feel like I do about the loss of of, of Jim.
5: Yeah, I'm glad, Tom, we've waited um, three or four weeks to try and talk about him so I can I can get through it. It's still, it's just it's very unbelievable for me to um, think about Jim being gone. I, I just, it just doesn't seem real in so many ways. Jim was such a good friend to me. I met him 30 years ago when I moved to Breckenridge, Colorado. and There was a place of change and turmoil in my life personally. And professionally, I was at the top of my game. And um, Jim and his wife, Pam, just took me in and loved on me and patched me up and helped me through that time. And this was a dear friend. I mean, he was my best friend. I, I, I told somebody um, I wasn't Jim's best friend, but he was mine. <laughs> and I think everybody that ever met Jim felt that same way. He just had this unique, charismatic ability to make you feel like You, you were the most important thing in
2: that moment. Did you, uh, let me ask you this. Did you feel like Jim was, and you've said it just now, but it it seemed to me in my short time with him that he was sort of a bigger than life personality. Uh, and yet, um, he didn't really, he wasn't a prima donna about it, but when he got up playing the guitar and singing and he wrote a ton of songs, I mean, we could spend three days playing his songs. He just took on this persona that just filled up the room.
5: Well, yeah. I mean, if you didn't know who Jim was, you just think he was a fun guy, but you're exactly <laughs> right. When, When, when he put on that guitar and stepped behind the microphone and, um, um, just started to play and to sing, it was, it it was bigger than life, you know, his, his time with all the different musicians that he played with, you know, he was with Dolly Parton, her band leader for 12 years. Right. So he, he certainly lived a, a larger than life life and, um. In just so many ways, he was still very special. You know, family and friends were so important to him. Um, I, I said his wife Pam, but his son James, his daughter Casey, they were just central to him. They they were everything to him, and it was so special to me that later in his life, that that he and I reconnected, and he just took on a love of Mercy chefs and the work that we do, and uh, it, it's just been a very special four years. He's been our, our, our musician and residence at mercy chefs. And, um, just a delight to spend time with him.
2: Well, I'll just say how I got to know him. You guys had a, uh, an event in Nashville, not this past November 4th, but the November 4th of, uh, 2022, um, And we came down, and and here's this guy playing the guitar and kind of walking around and then sitting on a a bench, and and he's just kind of like a troubadour. And, uh, you know, next thing you know, I'm talking to a friend of his, a guy from Florida that was a veteran, and and Jim had a special place in his heart for the veterans. And uh, somehow he finds out it's my birthday. I guess through Elizabeth, which it was, in front of all these people in there. He, he starts playing Happy Birthday to me outside, and then we go inside, and he plays it again. And uh, I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, okay. So um, I, got his, uh, I got his information, and in about two weeks, I sent him a text, and I said, Jim, there's a, uh, a musical group I'd like you to come in to hear. They're going to be playing in northern Kentucky. Well, he flies from Denver to Cincinnati. We spend like two days together. We go hear these people play, and then we go up to the deployment of Mercy Chefs up in Hazel Green, Kentucky. That's up in Morgan County, where you guys, there had been flooding up there, and and, uh, people were still hurting. So Mercy Chefs was set up and and, uh, feeding people. And then Jim plays and serenades everybody uh, that's that's working in the kitchen. Um, I brought him back, and what we knew, but we didn't know the extent of it, was he was dealing with cancer, and he didn't really know. He thought he was going to beat it, and, uh, of course, he didn't. But, you know, my little time of being around him, it was like I just <laughs> – you know i was just starting to form a friendship that i thought would have gone for a long time and now he's gone and it's just i just feel empty about it
1: he was on the radio show that weekend yeah as well. we had him on the
2: radio show and he did he sat in here in this office with his guitar played into our microphone uh you know and and sang some songs played the song about the bristlecone pines out in colorado and Talked about his life and in, in the music business, and uh, it just kills me. I, I, I'm, I'm having a tough time with it.
5: Well, I, I think everybody that knew Jim was just – you know, Jim was so full of life. He was more full of joy in life, I think, than anybody I've ever known, and that's what's so hard to believe about him. I know. Young. You know, he, he fought cancer for 10 years, and he fought a good fight, and um, um, you wouldn't have known – um, you wouldn't have known, uh, he, he was just still so upbeat and just, man, he was something else. He was something else.
2: Yeah. And, uh, he told me about getting to know you and you told me about getting to know him and, uh, he had a compassion, uh, for people that, uh, that might've been in a tough spot. And, uh, you know, I was able to share with him some things I'd been through and, 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 you know, you can pull him up on YouTube, Jim Sailstrom, S-A-L-E-S-T-R-O-M, originally from Kearney, Nebraska. Um, and the guy, you know, he just, it was a prolific songwriter. Uh, as you say, he played with some very big people in the music industry. They knew him. They knew who he was. Dolly being, uh, one of the biggest, and of course, John Denver, and um, he just had an amazing career. And you know, <laughs> this is a guy that was as comfortable with somebody working in the kitchen or a billionaire CEO. You know, he could he could talk to anybody in in life. I mean, he he wasn't intimidated by anybody, and he seemed to be uh, uh, people from all walks of life were attracted to him.
5: Oh, and I, I experienced that with him for the 30 years that I knew him. And, and uh, he, he was ve- very well loved by, by everybody. I, um, I'll put in a shameless plug for his Christmas album. It's still the favorite Christmas album at the LeBlanc house. Jim Saleson's Christmas. It, it just, it brings back so many memories. Uh, he released it when I first met him and we, we've, we've kept copies of it all these years. It's a very special um, memory of him.
2: Well, that's great. So Gary, I want to talk a little bit, get you to talk about uh, Mercy Chefs. We've got about 10 and a half minutes left here and uh, I want you to tell us what is going on with Mercy Chefs, the organization, and and you guys, and uh, uh, what kind of work have you guys been doing here? recently and and i need to clarify because sometimes people get confused they think it's mercy ships and that is another organization altogether this is mercy chefs c-h-e-f-s like a chef in a restaurant so so you guys know that so what's happening with mercy
5: we feed people tom you know that we feed people all over the world and so through through the holidays, uh, we we were thinking it would be a little downtime with no no major disasters to deal with. We've been doing Thanksgiving outreaches in places that we've worked around the country. Uh, we've been back in Maui. We've been in Puerto Rico, um, and and now we're doing Christmas outreaches. We're we're in um, Rolling Fork where they had a tornado earlier. Oh yeah, before. Rolling Fork,
2: Mississippi.
5: And Perryton, Texas, a big tornado there. And in the middle of all of our holiday travel, there was this tornado in Clarksville, Tennessee. So our team has been there all week. Um, We we were able to deploy teams to the other places and the third team there. So we've been serving diligently with the people there in Tennessee um, from this tornado. And uh, we're, we're, we're seeing them begin to catch a little break and maybe see the light at the end of the tunnel on their recovery. So we'll begin winding down there as they get back to normal. But the the storm seasons just keep us on our toes all year round. There's just never a shortage of places to go or people to help. Our teams have been all over the world this year. Um, Our our vice president of global operations is just back from Mozambique. This year, we've continued working in Ukraine. We worked in Turkey earlier this year after the horrible earthquakes. And our team was in Israel for almost two months, uh, leading a kitchen operation there where we fed everybody we could get to. We were working in the West Bank. We were trying to get into Gaza, but we were feeding folks and all the cabootses along the front lines there of that that conflict and so mercy chefs goes where it's tough we always say that the things that last the things of value are the things that happen in the hard places so we're not afraid to go to the hard places um uh, you know we're, we're we're still working in acapulco from the hurricane down there that got very little news um that was a horrible hurricane. It it tore that place up. Up in the mountains, um, the people that it could afford, that the very least were the ones that were affected the most. Um, just outside of the tourist area of Acapulco, it still is apocalyptic. I mean it it was it was horrible. And so we continue to serve there as well.
2: Gary, when you when Mercy chefs basically got started, which was Hurricane Katrina in 2005, did you have any idea that it was going to turn into something like this?
5: No, this is so far beyond my wildest imagination, Tom. I would have never dreamt this. And um, it's past my ability or my talent. I, I, I really... Really just need to say that if something's smarter than you or better than you, you shouldn't take too much credit for it. Um, uh-huh. God has been the inspiration to this. He's led us through every step of the way. And I've just had to be obedient and, and say, yes, Lord, when he shows us another area to serve in. But to be around the world, Tom, like we are, is just phenomenal. I, who could, who could ever dream that sort of thing up? I mean, we've served over 25 million meals. Good. I can't imagine, I can't imagine 25 million faces, but that's, that's how many people that we've brought hope to in the form of a meal, um, on, on some of the worst days of their lives. Right.
2: One of the things that I really like about mercy chefs is, you know, and this is what, uh, sort of pushed Gary to do this was that during Katrina there was there were relief agencies there serving meals but they weren't very appetizing and you know they didn't have much food character if you will my sister was a she passed away uh, her uh, about a, a month and a half ago and and uh, one of the things she talked about because uh, she was a caterer was uh, the character of food. Um, And Gary uh, felt that the food that was being served to people in a tough place might have given them physical sustenance, but it wasn't something that would kind of sustain their souls in terms of quality and love in the food itself. And uh, that was the thing that he wanted to deliver to people was food that had love in it and character in it. Is that not, did I say that right?
5: Exactly right. I'm a good Cajun boy. And and my grandmother is my family. Food is love and food is how you connect and food is how you celebrate. Food is how you mourn. I mean, food is love. And I, I, thought that there had to be a better way to feed people that are just lost everything than what I saw during Katrina. And that was the birth of Mercy Chefs, the commitment to do high quality, handcrafted chef prepared food. You know, it's just not enough to put a a one scoop dish out and say, here's a meal. We we really want to always make sure we have starch and vegetables and bread. We do so much baking on site. Um, just, just, we want to show people love and to do that, you have to do the very best meal that you can possibly do under those circumstances. We, we always say that something amazing happens over a shared meal. And for that to be the case, it has to be an amazing meal.
2: Yeah. And I will say this, I've been on some Mercy Chef deployments and it's not like, you want to go somewhere to the restaurant after you're done, uh, eating there to, to get a really good meal because the, the mercy chef's meal that's being served is as good as anything you'll, you'll find, um, you can support this ministry. If you'd like, uh, you can go to mercy chefs, dot com, I believe, um, uh, there are a number of uh, videos uh, on, uh, I know they're on YouTube. There are probably other places, too, uh, describing uh, Mercy Chefs and, and some of the places that they've been. But the thing that I can tell you this, um, when I get around uh, Gary, I know that something bigger than him is sort of driving this train. It, it doesn't, uh, it, 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 it doesn't surprise me, you know, to hear some of the things that they've done because, um, it's really just stuff you couldn't come up with, uh, sitting around thinking about it.
5: That's the truth. Tom, and, uh, we, we enjoy what we do. It's one thing to serve a meal. Uh, for a living, it's, it's another thing to do It is as a mission. call, And um, that's, that's what we get to do. And that's such an honor.
2: Well, I appreciate it. And, and they've been to Kentucky at least twice. They went to Mayfield, Kentucky. Then they went up to Whitesburg, two separate, uh, incidents. They were in Kentucky, uh, helping people here. Um, and the, the, it was so, well appreciated, what you guys did here in Kentucky and on behalf of our state, uh, Gary. I, I want to uh, thank you guys for what you did.
5: It's been our pleasure, Tom.
2: So, um, just keep in mind, you can support this ministry, Mercy Chefs, M E R C Y C H E F S dot com you can, uh, help out, uh, folks that are truly in need. Listen, the, there's not a lot of bureaucracy in this organization. It, if you give them money, it gets converted into a meal for somebody. Uh, they're very lean and mean in terms of their organizational, uh, structure. So, uh, it, it's a very effective gift if, you, if you're if you so moved to do it Gary I want to thank you guys I know you're on the road today and uh, you guys be safe and uh, we appreciate it
1: and Merry, Merry Christmas them. to y'all Tom. Merry Christmas to you as well you've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Gary LeBlanc joining us as a special guest we appreciate you listening to the Tom Dupree Show and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group
0: Door. When he first came in the mountains, his life was far away. On the road, hanging by a song.